Welcome to Life Continuing, a podcast that explores consciousness, healing, and infinite existence. I'm Tanya Berg. Canadian medium Carolyn Molnar has over 30 years of experience in her field, and her list of clients stretches from St. John's to Beijing. She also teaches classes on mediumship and psychic development, and has led workshops across Canada and at Lilydale, New York. She was recently featured in Vice TV's new television series called Mr. Tachyon, Do Humans Have a Sixth Sense? Carolyn has over 300 YouTube videos which give clarity and peace to those seeking spiritual understanding. Carolyn is featured in the books Psychics and Mediums in Canada and Medium 7, Evidence of the Afterlife and Predictions. She has been profiled in the Toronto Star, the National Post, and the Globe and Mail. She wrote, produced, and directed her one-woman play called What, You're a Medium? at the 2016 Toronto Fringe Theatre Festival and was voted favourite psychic two years in a row by the North York Mirror newspaper. Her new book, What, You're a Medium? based on her Fringe Festival play, joins her two other books and three guided meditation CDs, which helps people explore their life purpose while experiencing their own inner peace. This is my conversation with Carolyn, who is my first psychic medium and who is now my good friend. Hi, Carolyn. It's so great to have you here. Oh, it's nice to hear your voice, Tanya. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. I'm really very busy. I'm feeling so grateful that work has really been steady and I'm able to reach out to so many people despite the, the pandemic. So I'm very grateful. That's good. I know it's it's turned the world upside down, but you know, we must proceed, move forward and we'll move past this. We can get through anything, right? That's right. Find the positive in anything. I agree. Mm-hmm. So, oh my goodness, there's so many things to talk about today. I don't even know where to begin. Well, we have such a history. We do, don't we? We Should are we know who you really are. <laughs> Should we do the great reveal today? Yes, I think so. Who's going to say it? So you have a slew of YouTube videos, over 300, I believe. Mm -hmm, I do. When it first started, you referred to someone named T. That's right. That's me. (laughs) I'm T. Yes, you are. And I had a lot of questions that Mm -hmm. you answered so beautifully. Um, And I think you got a great response from people all over the world. I think you said you had a lot of emails, people following up about the topics of the video, as well as giving you more questions that we attempted to answer. Absolutely. The questions what are what drive the, the YouTube channel, and I will continue um, answering as long as the questions keep coming. As long as they're spiritual and they help many, they'll probably be on the channel. I have to say that the questions that have come in, because in the, initially I had several of my own and that's how we got things started, which I really appreciate your insight into them. But the other, the, the listeners, they, people just come up with such great questions. And some of the questions we don't always consider, you just don't think about it, especially because you've been doing the work for over 30 years. That's true. That's true. And I hope that the YouTube channel normalizes people's experience because we are spirit having a human experience. And um, I, I want people to feel comfortable about their spirituality. 
Well, I think you do a great job at that. Now, let's, for the listeners who are not familiar with your work, let's go back a little bit and have a uh, go back into your history and, and learn a little bit more about who you are. Sure. What do you want to know? <laughs> <laughs> well, so you're located in uh, Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Yes, I am. When did you first know you were a medium? Um, well, um, boy, that's a pretty long answer. Um, it's in retrospect, I know something was up. I was eight years old when I had my first encounter, but thought it was normal. So I really didn't put any credence to it. Um, I met a mentor when I was in my uh, late teens, early 20s. And she trained me, but initially it was psychic work, which is, you know, the here and now, the, uh, you know, what's my job going to be? You know, am I going to school, my finances, love life, that's psychic. When it came to mediumship, I think that I really had to push it when I first went to Lilydale. Because they want mediumship answers. In other words, um, speaking to those who have crossed a spirit. They don't want psychic work. And, you know, my first season was mostly psychic. And people came up to me and said, you're doing great. But, you know, that we're really looking for this. And I went, oh, there's a difference. So it was in and around, a, you know, a roundabout way that I realized, okay, I got to focus on the uh, mediumship. I remember my first psychic reading. I don't remember my first mediumship reading, but I know it was pushed by Lilydale, which I'm very grateful for. Yeah, Lilydale's very popular. How long were you there? Uh, I taught for nine years, and I started going after my mentor passed away in 2001. And who's your mentor? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm talking to you, T. You know all this stuff. I know. I'm not listening, uh, <laughs> listeners, so my apologies. Her name is Sadie Nickerson. She uh, had passed a spirit in uh, July of 2001. I had trained with her for 20 years. She was a spiritualist minister that ran her own church in Toronto. And I met her through my father because I had a very negative reading that made me so upset that I needed to call someone and I called my dad and he says, Oh, I'll take you to my psychic. And went, what my psychic? <laughs> yeah. So I did, I went and saw her and she, she really helped me understand the power of the words of a psychic, how very important it is to, you know, provide hope and positivity rather than scaring the pants off you, which is what happened to me. So yeah, and I actually uh, have a picture of her. She watches over me. She's shown up in my classes as a spirit person. Uh, my students were saying, who is that standing behind you? I had no idea. I knew I felt it was Sadie, but I couldn't see her. So she's still very active in my life. And I am so very, very grateful. She's a wonderful teacher. And she doesn't take any nonsense. <laughs> no, that's what you've told me. And I have to say, Maybe we'll talk about this a little later, but I have a couple of Sadie stories. Oh, wow. That I want to share because oh, I don't I know hear. if you, you're even aware of them. I want to hear. What has she been up to? <laughs> I know, right? So, yeah. okay. So, so we'll get to that after, but that, that's pretty incredible uh, about Sadie. Now, did you guys have some kind of connection in some way? 
Well, you know, it was in uh, retrospect. I had seen her for s- several years. I had gotten married and then, you know, continued my relationship. Even when I lived in Cape Breton, we would call every Thursday night and talk every week. And it, it just continued. But when I uh, got back to see her, it was a visit, I believe. Uh, she revealed to me that she had had five children that she lost in utero. And the first child she had named Carolyn, and she would be known as the Yellow Rose. Well, Carolyn's pretty obvious. That's my name. But the Yellow Rose just floored me because it's my favorite flower. And that's what was in my bridal bouquet were yellow roses. So I realized that I couldn't get in to be with her. So I I was born into a family that I could be. And it took 20 some odd years to find her. But we did reconnect. It was it's a very powerful story for me anyway. It is. And, you know, I have heard the story before. I'm familiar with it. But, you know, every time you tell it, I mean, I I feel that with you, the goosebumps. Mm. It's just it's extraordinary. The magic spirit, the miracles that, uh, you know, abound. We just have to be aware of them. And how so how can we be aware of spirit manifestations? Well, first of all, we have to believe it. Because spirit isn't around to try and convince us of anything. And there are some beautiful uh, signs from spirit. Actually, there are three plus videos on my YouTube channel called Signs from Spirit that you can look up in detail what to watch for. Uh, But they use small signals, kind of subtle, not small necessarily, signals to let you know that they are around. So... If we're not aware of it, we miss it. And it's nothing more disappointing than a spirit person trying so hard to connect and it's missed. I mean, one of the big ones is music. Uh, You know, the lyrics of a song is the message. And especially if the music reminds you of a person that passed away, they're putting that song into your head. Or, you know, you find coins in weird places, you know, you've just vacuumed the carpet, you come back into the room and what's the dime doing on the floor? I've got pots of, of coins around my home as a reminder of how real this work is because that's tangible. You can hold on to it. And also candles, you know, you can light a candle in memory of somebody and you can see, watch the candle jump and there's no breeze, there's no nothing. And that's another indication of spirit working with the environment uh, to connect with us because, you know, spirit's greatest fear is to be forgotten. So they'll try many ways to be seen. And I hear that. And I bet a lot of the listeners right now have had these experiences because everyone I've ever talked to, I've heard the dimes, the coins, Mm -hmm. um, butterflies, birds, uh, you know, how about how about lights in a bathroom? <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say signs from the spirit world. That yeah. video, mm-hmm. actually, that's one of my questions because of my own personal experience. Within minutes before we started recording, so I was in the uh, washroom and I was washing my hands, and this. I don't even know a, 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 the brightest light I've ever seen, kind of like a glitter or something literally flew past me and kind of on an upward trajectory and just disappeared. So I saw it and then it just, boom, vanished. And you had seen the look on your face when you came back into the room. You were like, what just happened? Well, the thing is, at that point, 
I don't think I've ever actually seen visual phenomena. I feel things, you know, one time I heard something, but I've never seen things. And that's, I think, was the first one that I saw. And then, of course, as you know, I, I spent a couple of years having, you know, consistent mystical phenomena around me happening all the time where I didn't quite understand what was happening. I know you definitely guided me through that. But um, but yeah, that was that was just wild. I'm glad. I'm so glad it happened for you. And then I think, well, is it, and I'm going to ask again, is that your, could that be your aura? The, the fact that you're psychic and mediumistic, is that enhancing those experiences for me? No, I think it's your openness to accept what uh, Spirit's offering you. Um, I think it's got to do with your belief system. When you become open, you you see miraculous things. And we have uh, a couple of sets of, of uh, senses. We've got our physical senses, you know, sight, hearing, uh, feeling, taste, and scent. But we also have that in our psychic senses. So what's happening, your belief system is opening up your psychic senses so that you can receive messages from the spirit world or signs from the spirit world. I see. It was really hard to wrap my head around. Actually, okay, I'll bring up the Sadie story now because I think that sparkle was Sadie because we were talking about her and we were mm -hmm. looking at her photograph in your office just before that happened. So May I just say something too, Tanya? Yes. It was given to you when you could manage it because uh, we were in close proximity. You could come in and kind of just explain what had happened and, and, you know, what is this about and how, you know, what did I do or what did I not do? You know, what is this? And I think being able to just kind of calm down and say, oh, that was the spirit world. It just kind of opened up you even further. Do you know what I'm saying? I do. And I'm really grateful because remember, did you see the look on my face? Yeah, I could just I imagine what it looked it. like. <laughs> I'll never forget it. It was like shock and awe. <laughs> I just, it, it's still mind boggling to me. But so Sadie, so because she has a thing with light, if that sparkle was her, we don't know for sure. But if it was her, I remember going uh, to another event that you were leading and you had your students, your, your well-trained, wonderful students doing their mediumship readings for an audience. And I was sitting with the owner of the venue and we had, they had dimmed the lights in the back. We were sitting right at the end and you guys only had the lighting in the front. And Sadie was coming through one of your students and you guys didn't see it in the front, but everybody turned around because all of a sudden, even though there were, was very dim lighting and dark corners, there was these white flashes, like, like I, like camera flashes, like paparazzi. The owner turned to me and said, what's going on with my lights? And I looked and I'm just saying, I'm not a specialist with electronics, but the lights, the pot lights were a, a yellow hue and these were very white lights. And I said, I just looked at her and smiled because I thought, hmm, Sadie, Carolyn, lights. Hmm, I wonder what's happening. <laughs> Again, it's just conjecture, but it was pretty interesting. And everybody you know, kept turning around wondering, what, what on earth is that? Well, it's interesting because Sadie is the consummate teacher. So I know that I am co-teaching with her. Also, it was our last event at that venue. So I think she wanted to go out with a flash. 
She did. (laughs) She sure did. (laughs) My ear is ringing off. Oh, my goodness. That's another sign from spirit. She's sitting here laughing. Really? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. You think she'd miss this? No way. (laughs) (laughs) That's terrific. Well, she's always welcome here at Life Continuing because she's a perfect example of it, isn't she? She certainly is. Yes. I kind of went off a little bit uh, in a different direction. So you were talking about the videos. I actually have a favorite YouTube video that, if you don't mind discussing, it's uh, the one that's called Do Spirit Watch Us in the Shower? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I think that's a burning question on many people's minds. Well, let me say this. My father, after two weeks of his passing, actually came to talk to me when I was in the shower. And, you know, I'm minding my own business, doing my thing. And he's like, Carolyn. And I went, Dad, I'm having a shower. He goes, oh, I'm sorry, 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 sorry. I heard him say it as clear as that. He left. A couple of minutes later, he comes back. I said, Dad, I'm not finished yet. I need to tell you when I'm finished. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry. So he left. So I towelled off, got in my bathrobe. And I said, okay, Dad, I'm back. What would you want to know? And he says, Goodbye. And I guess what had happened was he was on the earth plane sort of figuring out his life because this is what we do is we have our soul review and we see also how we've left the planet. And uh, I guess he needed to say that he was on his way, that he was fully in the spirit form. So he did not see me. He saw my soul light, which is like a thumbprint for the spirit world. No one soul is the same. And if I happen to be singing in the shower, (laughs) he would hear my voice. And those are the two connectors to spirit. So I don't believe that they actually see you in the shower. Right. Well, that's a relief. Now, I have to say something. I had um, somebody uh, at a, I had an event. um, Oh, gosh, there were over 100 people at the event. And uh, this woman, I I opened it up for questions. And she, she says, she asked me, Um, okay, well, do they see us when we're having sex? So I explained to them, uh, no, they don't see you when you're having sex. Again, it's the soul light in your voice. So if you're really noisy, then they would know. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) You should have seen the look on that woman's face. Perhaps it was noisy. I don't know. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I can't believe you said that. Oh, well. Yeah, I did. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, but, you know, it's it's on everyone's mind. I mean, I think mm-hmm. that's a, what a lot of people fear, in mm-hmm. fact. Are we being watched? It, you know, is it the same? And thank goodness it's not the same perception. No, it's a different saying. dimension. You know, we're in a different dimension to the spirit world. They're etheric. We are physical. So there is a difference just in that. That's good. That's mm-hmm. good to know. Mm-hmm. Let's actually, let's go back to your teaching because that's, a really big part of your work. It is. Not only is it within my sessions, because, you know, Sadie, the teacher will come out in them. But also, too, uh, I teach psychic development and mediumship. And um, I have all my students start in psychic development, regardless of whether they want to be mediums, because they have to learn how to work with their spirit guides, their gatekeepers, and all those that are around them to support them in the spirit world while doing this work. Because uh, you, when you work with your spirit guides, it's love and light, and they want to help you. 
But if you're working with mediumship, it's not necessarily that. I mean, if old Uncle Joe was a curmudgeon old man, you're going to get that personality. If, uh, you know, they were, there were personality traits that were just not nice, um, that will come through because you need evidence to know that they're there. How do you manage that? I just had a student actually in my psychic development class who inadvertently gave a mediumistic message and she totally freaked on me. And she like emailed me several times. She said, I, I, you know, I felt his energy. Um, you know, I felt elation. I felt, um, you know, this, that, and the other thing. It was all positive, but it was overwhelming for her. And the woman she was, or the student uh, that she was reading for, her classmate, she had tears in her eyes. She was smiling and it was just too overwhelming for her. So that's why I don't want mediumship first off. It's psychic development, working with guides, getting to know them, learning the ABCs of the spirit world, and then moving on if they want to. I've had students in uh, psychic development and not wanting to move on, and that's fine. But I have a, a mediumship class that I don't know, it's been eight to 10 years running, and they just, and it's, they're amazing. They're like my family. They're like my kids. And I am so protective of them. They were the ones that were at the event you were speaking of a little while ago. I'm so proud of them. One of them is a mathematician. Another is a retired teacher. Another one's a teacher. Let me see. Another one is a rock singer. I'm trying to think who else. Another is an artist, like she paints that for a living. So there are all kinds of people, walks of life that are drawn to this work. And I, I find that very exciting because you know what? It normalizes it. It's open to everybody. So everyone can be psychic or have mediumistic abilities? Yeah, everybody is psychic. They just don't know how to work with it. Um, I would call it, in, a lot of people call it intuition, especially moms. Like they just know when something's up with their kids. And uh, they don't have any kind of logic to it. That's a form of intuition. Or you think uh, of somebody um, and then they call. And what happens was intuitively you f you sense that they were going to call without any kind of logic. And it was uh, affirmed. Or you know the outcome before it happens. Or prophetic dreams. All these things are natural. But what psychic development does is it trains us to work with it, not that it just happens to us, that we make it happen too, and we control it. So then the mediumistic aspect, though, is different from the psychic, right? There are gifted mediums. There are, and they, they're born with it. Uh, but um, those are far and few between, uh, in my estimation. I think you have to, you know, gain access to that realm. It's a different band of energy, but certainly anybody who wants it um, can be trained to it. Uh, also, remember, they don't need to prove anything. And quite frankly, people have to get over their egos to be able to do this because the ego is always trying to shut us down and keep us safe. Like, oh, this is crazy. Don't do this. You know, uh, I, want, I want you to keep normal. Don't. You know. And it's uh, it's a very creative non-scientific experience that we are constantly saying to our ego, thank you so much for keeping us safe. But right now, I would like to focus on my creative side, my right brain side. That's a good way of putting it because I've always wondered what's the process, what's going on? You know, I mean, that's something scientists are 
looking into in parapsychology, um, you know, they're trying to take measurements, you know, EEGs of the brain to see what's happening when people are reading. Now, that actually happened to you on a VICE program called Mr. Tachyon. That's right. They actually hooked me up. I look like, oh, what's that guy on Star Trek? It was the newer ones where they have, he couldn't see, but he had the band across his eyes. Oh, the name escapes me at the moment, but I know who you're talking about. But it's interesting. It was across my forehead and they had a technician measuring brainwaves. And I said to him, okay, when I do the readings, let me know if there are changes in brainwave activity. Uh, He said, yes, there were. And then what he wanted to do was he wanted me to change my energy from high to low, which I I guess I can do because he got you know, high frequency energy focus to low frequency energy focus up and down, holding it for 30 seconds, letting it go. And they did get different readings. They didn't use it for the show, though. But I have to tell you, I left that place because of that. They didn't know. And I'm not blaming anybody. But I'll tell you, I was exhausted. And I had a migraine the next day. Because it just blew circuits in my head. But aside from that, uh, yes, there is a there is um, activity, brainwave activity. That's incredible. And I remember when I watched it, it said the results were that you were in a dreamlike state, a, a day sorry daydreaming state. That makes sense to me because you kind of lift yourself out of the here and now. Let me tell you this. Uh, I am a migraine sufferer, or I have been most of my life. And when I give readings, I have no migraine. But man, when the reading is over, I crash and burn. But I can give readings while in the midst of migraines. And I know other mediums have said the same thing. So we go to an altered state. What that is, I don't know. It's so automatic for me. I, I can't explain it. But I'm very curious about it, for sure. Well, I'm glad that that was explored in, you know, a very modern uh, program, Mr. Tachyon on Vice TV. And I so, think Tachyon needs to be spelled. Uh, I don't have it in front of me. It's a very weird spelling. I'll put the name and the link in the show okay. notes. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I, I would love for people to take a look at that. The whole program was great. You were in the first episode, but it was a mm-hmm. series, I, be- I believe, of six or eight um, mm-hmm. episodes in the first season. That's right. Very fascinating. I really liked watching that. You have a new book. I do. I What's do. it called? My newest baby's been birthed. <laughs> it's based on my Fringe Festival uh, theater play that I did in 2016. And that's a whole different story. That's actually written in the book. It was called, What? You're a Medium? And uh, my husband, who's a professional writer, he wrote the book for me with knowing the stories because I would say things and he would write them out. But he thought that the title was uh, of the Fringe Festival play would be perfect for the book because it kind of I kind of look like a soccer mom, you know, for the most part, I, I look like, you know, everyday mom. And so when people found out that I do this work, they were like bug eyed and like, you, you do what? <laughs> so I thought so, it would be a perfect um, title for the book. So their reaction was literally, what? You're a medium? <laughs> yes. Yeah. 
That's a great title. I love it. And Fringe Festival. Now, I don't know if everybody's familiar with that. Mm. So here, here's the story. My husband um, is writing a hospice book and he wanted to produce or a, a play and direct a play for the Fringe Festival. So he was, he put his application in. He says, come on, Carolyn, you should do it. And I went, nah, I don't, I'm no, I'm not an entertainer. Although he would consider that not true. I be quite entertaining. <laughs> I think so. I can attest to that. But one moment. So mm-hmm. Fringe Festival is in Toronto? And, no, and it's all over the world. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there's a chapter in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So you apply and it's a lottery system. So in I wanted to do a 90-minute play and there were 138 applications for 10 spots. And they had called nine of the spots. And on the 10th, they called mine. And I, I just screamed, ran, got up out of my seat and ran into the green room where there was the cake and photographs and all that stuff. And apparently, I'm the first in Toronto to have a play where it was talking about mediumship, talking about the stories, and then giving readings to people in the audience. As a matter of fact, when you see the sparkly outfit on the YouTube channel, that's one of my uh, excerpts from my show. There was a lot of teaching points. So I thought, oh, let's put that on the YouTube. So from there, uh, that was 2016. This book was published in September 2020. So it took that many years to just kind of formulate and put together. And it's basically the story of how I got to where I am now and what to watch for with good mediumship and good psychic readers. So I'm hope it's another teaching tool for people who are interested in the work. And I have to say the only complaint about the book is when somebody picks it up, they can't put it down. A friend of mine started it at about 11 o'clock at night and kept reading till two in the morning. So they were not happy about that, but I couldn't help it. You know, they like the read. That's fine. <laughs> it's well, it's about your life. It's it's personal. You're yeah. sharing everything from the beginning. Yes, I am. Yep. Yep, I am. How did you feel sharing that kind of information? Here's the thing. If I can help just one person believe in this work from a heartfelt place, then my job is done. I like that. Thank you. Thank you. And you have two other books. Can you tell me about those? Well, yes. The first book I I actually channeled uh, with three guides that have left me since uh, the book is done. Uh, That was done in 11 weeks on the uh, creek in Uh, Bronte Creek in Oakville, Ontario. I had a friend who had a boathouse. It was perfect because there was water all around and it was like an amplifier for the spirit world. So in 11 weeks, we channeled, I channeled that book. She wrote it out. Uh, I don't believe in everything that was written in the book, quite frankly. Uh, But I, uh, to keep the integrity of the experience, it was pretty much verbatim. Uh, The second book was uh, actually published by Dundurn Press and what was really interesting is they came to me. That's and I had no, I didn't have an agent. Um, they they knew of me. I guess they saw my website and said, uh, brought me in, and said we would really like you to write a book on on your work and your story. 
And I said, okay, I need to talk to my husband about it. And I, he and I were at the elevator leaving the meeting. And I said, look, this is going to take a lot of work. Are you willing to do this? He said, yeah, I'm really excited. So it was a 45,000 word book that he typed with one finger. He's old school. It's just <laughs> one finger, typical journalist, reporter guy. And um, he wrote it from November to February it was edited from February to April, went to print and was out within, I think it was November. So within the year, a 45,000 book was was birthed. It was incredible. So yeah, that was quite the story. And it's a, the newest book, What You're a Medium, sort of jumps off from the late, the um, uh, Compassionate Messenger, True Stories from a Psychic Medium, which is the second book. So that's from Dundurn. It is Dundurn. Okay. Cats, yeah. If we can just go back to the book that you channeled, it's called It Is Time, Knowledge from the Other Side. Oh, I have to tell you about the title. Okay. Okay. The book itself was easy. It was, you know, it was channeled. All I had to do was show up and the words would just spill out, right? <clears throat> it was all recorded and, and transcribed. But I was really stuck on the title. What was I going to call this? So I remember I was sit, standing at the sink, washing the dishes. And I said to my spirit people, I said, guys, that's how I always um, address them. Guys, what <laughs> am I going to call this book? And they said, it is time, knowledge from the other side. And I went, why didn't you tell me? And they said, you didn't ask. No way. You have to ask? Yeah. <laughs> they don't just tell you? <laughs> no, because it's about free will, right? The fact that I went ahead with the book was enough free will from them. They were just waiting for me to ask so that they could give me the title. They are weird. But anyway, that's the truth. That's really what happened. So with so, the title, then I was able to self-publish. Oh, that's good. That's a good thing. Okay, let's talk about spirit guides a little more in detail because, you know, I'm a little bit familiar, but not fully. Mm -hmm. And then maybe some people who are listening are not familiar at all. So you're saying a couple of things. You're okay. saying that, okay, let's let's talk about the free will aspect. Can you just go into more detail about how that all works with spirit guides? Okay, so free will is a infinite spirit gift. Some people call that God, but free will is a natural law that reigns it, it supreme. So spirit guides are assigned to us according to where we are in our contract, which is the Akashic Record contract that we put together. What is our purpose? What we, do we hope to learn? You know, who's going to be in our life with us? You know, how is our life going to sort of move through? And, you know, it's like a waveform. So uh, there's sort of a plan, but what really knits it all together is free will, whether we will do it, even though we've put it in our contract, or whether we won't do it. So uh, the spirit guides are bound to what we will and won't do, even if it's written into our contract. And so, our contract is, what is that? What are you Well, that about? is what we put together uh, with counseling from our spirit guides before we get here. So they have a lot of, of support, help, and guidance, but they cannot make the decision. Um, so we have, honestly, have to take personal responsibility for how our life is unfolding because we chose it before we got here. And I think Here's here's the clincher. We don't remember what it's like to be here. So we can heap on a lot of crazy stuff, really difficult stuff, and hope that we accelerate our experience to progress. 
our spirit guides will step in and say, whoa, wait a minute here. You know, you're asking for this, that, and the other thing. Do you realize how difficult it is? It could show up like this. It could da 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 But if in the end, if, this, if the, um, the person, the spirit person wants it, they have to say, okay, we'll do the best we can to help you through this. Okay. So that's where free will comes in, and that's the guides must abide by it. Okay, so just go back. What's Akashic Records? What exactly is that? That's the contract and also all the contracts in past lives. So they are housed in the house uh, hall of records, it's called, um, on the other side. Okay. Um, I have been there in dreams. The one I can remember is there was a banquette, which is like these round seats in the middle of a black and white checkerboard uh, floor. And you'd look up and it looks like the Colosseum with all these sort of round, rounded arches. And in each of these arches were like thousands of drawers of held records. And you can only uh, access yours. You can't access any of your family, friends, acquaintances. You can only access yours. And at the time, there was uh, a guide that was with me accessing mine. I don't remember the outcome, but I remember being there so clearly. So it is our contract. We we sort of sign on the dotted line. These are the things we have agreed to do because this is what we want to do. And then that contract is used as a plan with free will to to live out our lives. So they have a really solid privacy policy is what you're saying. Oh, yes. And <laughs> if we change our minds and not want to do it, that's perfectly fine too. You can change your contract is what you're saying? Yes, in some circumstances you can. Or if you don't complete it, you'll write it into the next lifetime so that you have another chance to do it. So there's like this ebb and flow and freedom and free will that moves along with your Akashic records. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's pretty mind-blowing. <laughs> it is. I don't know how we got here, Tanya, but there we are. <laughs> I like it. I mean, this is typical of our conversations anyways when we're having tea together. And we do get into these discussions, but it, I mean, you know, some people just want to live their lives and do their thing and go through their contract and not really think too much else about the bigger picture. And that's fine. Yes. And some people, you know, like myself, I've been pretty curious and mm-hmm. think when things don't make sense, mm-hmm. I want to make sense of them, especially this, you know, greater reality. I wanted to go back again. I'm still on the guides here. So bear with me. No, this is good learning. I'm taking notes actually still. <laughs> um, I am. I do with you all the time. Uh, so you said that the guides left you. What does that mean? Oh, they, um, their purpose for the book was done. So they would move on and use their expertise with somebody else. You always want to make room for guides to move on because that shows that you're progressing into a different realm or, you know, you need uh, other expertise from other guides and they will be assigned to you. Do you get new guides? Oh, yes. Yeah. You want new guides um, because it shows that you're progressing because all guides have a finite amount of information. Mind you, it's millennia of experience, but they have their expertise. Now, I know some very high minded in a good way, spiritual people, they do have their guide that stays with them. That's fine. That's their contract. Every It's it's a fluid 
But for myself, uh, except for Sadie, who's not a guide, she's a guardian, which are the ones that we know um, from our lifetime, um, like our parents, our sister, brother, all those who've gone before us, those are guardians. They don't have the same amount of experience that your guides do. They can also help you and influence you. But I would never go to them. I would always go to my guides first because they have a different kind of um, viewpoint. So Sadie's great with teaching. My uncle, who was a self-made millionaire, he's great with finances. I would go to them for those separate reasons. But I would never ask my uncle how to cook something because he didn't even know how to cut a, a grapefruit. So, you know, uh, we all have our expertise, but guides are, are far more, uh, you know, they see that they see the the entire picture rather than just a small bit of the lifetime. So if that makes any sense whatsoever. It so sure when, uh, when you, when you move through something that they're really good at and they're feel like they cannot add anything to it, they move on happily. They're not your friends. And uh, other guides will come in and take their place. So we're never alone. Never. Oh, never. Uh, uh. Even with our spirit people, we're never alone. Never. With your book, It Is Time, you said that you didn't believe all of the content. Can you talk more about that? Yeah. I, I won't get into specifics because I want to keep people open-minded because I don't want to give my bias to to the book. Yeah, I, I just feel that there was some very old-fashioned way of looking at things, and I think it was colored by the type of guide that was speaking. That's the best I can explain it. But I have to, you know, I have to defer to them because it was really their book. I was the channel, you know, I was the pipe where the water ran through kind of thing, the water being the words. So I had to provide an opportunity that for them to speak, I was not going to edit them. No, that was well said. And, and I understand that. I know that, you know, no matter how we try to explain the other side, whatever language we use, I mean, it really, it can be a pointer, but it can't actually capture the the reality of what what the other side is right yeah, it's so true this is how we communicate this is how we you know process thoughts so there has to be you can never capture what it's like over there never right we're, we're too finite well we can we can certainly try to have a close enough reference to it we try yes <laughs> <laughs> Good. Well, thank you for for sharing about the books because actually those things were something I've always uh, wondered, but just never got around to asking. So mm. this is a perfect time for it. You also have a newsletter that you send out monthly. I do. Uh, I try to find things, all things spiritual. Last month I had uh, a list of movies that I thought were a great uh, spiritual entertainment, so to speak. And I like to kind of plug people into other opportunities around because I think we're one of the best kept secrets. So the newsletter hopefully opens up vistas to others. I also advertise when my psychic development class will be running again. They're usually uh, fall and spring and it's monthly because I don't want to keep bugging people. You know, people get enough emails in their inbox. So yeah, uh, that's what it's for is just to keep uh, keep a community in touch. So if people want to keep track of the psychic development 
courses, definitely subscribe to the newsletter, correct? Yes. And you can find that on my website, carolynmolner.com. It's on the homepage. It's very easy to find. And also just a a note for privacy. I do not share the list with anybody. Very good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's important these days. Everything's out there, right? It's all about integrity and reputation. And, you know, you've got to be careful about stuff like that. Certainly. So Carolyn, do you meditate? I do. I really do. And I have to say that this uh, uh, pandemic has caused me to slow down and find a way. I I was speaking with you earlier. I do yoga, which to me is a, a form of meditation uh, when you can get the poses right. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> it's not. But after I do yoga, my husband and I, um, we uh, spend about 20 minutes every day just meditating. Um, now, I'm going to say something really strange, and I hope that the viewers... Um, listeners. Or sorry, that yeah, there's no viewers. The listeners you know, uh, kind of take it with a grain of salt. M- most of my life is in meditation because for me to reach the spirit world, all I have to do is ask a question. I got an answer because I, I recognize what it takes for them to speak with me. Uh, and I know what the, the patterns are. So actually, my meditations are absolute silence. Because in my waking time, uh, and in my dream state, my brain does not shut off. But when I'm in meditation, it does. And so that's what meditation is for me is just respite. It's a break. It is. It's a break. Now, I'm not saying that spirits on me 24 seven. No, I've said not not to that. Uh Uh-uh. Uh, because I have to have my human experience, right? But as I say, they are so available to me that I don't, and my I don't need to reach out to them in meditation to find them. However, I will say to my students, do meditate because it does raise your vibration level and it does make it easier for you to reach your spirit guides. Make the intention that you want to see them or hear them or sense them. And uh, just be patient, and they will slowly uh, make their presence known. They don't want to scare you, so they're not going to jump on you and just say, oh, here we are. It's more like it's a process. It's free will, right? So if you don't want to connect with them, you don't have to while you're meditating, correct? They really don't want to scare you off. They've taken so long to get you to a place where you're open to receive them. So they're not going to do anything to scare you off. You know what I'm saying, Tanya? I do. Yeah, I do. And that's a good thing. Yeah, very good thing. They are of love and light. You know, that's why they are guides, because they are in a place of compassion and love and light through millennia of experience. They've come to know that this is the best energy for all. So they're going to share it. That's really comforting to know. Mm -hmm. I'm glad. So you have you offered a guided uh, meditation on your website. Is that right? I actually have two. And they they were born from the pandemic. Uh, I had a lot of clients that were talking about their anxiety and some of them um, depression. Some of them just couldn't sit still. So the first one, which is called My Gift to You, and that's on my books and CD page, you just scroll down to the bottom and you'll see a beach with looks like an Anukshuk stones on the beach. And that one is about 
clearing the energy, especially in your bedroom, because it seems like when we wake up or we go to sleep, that's when the anxiety shows itself more so. And it actually deposits just because we can't see our thoughts doesn't mean they don't exist. We create a reality, so they must exist. So these uh, negative thoughts get deposited and they accumulate. So we have to have a way to get rid of them. So that meditation clears the space so that you can sleep. The second meditation is on peace and not just peace within yourself, but world peace. So enough people focus on that. It will change the energy of the planet. So those are the two that are free for the download. Help yourself. And I hope that they will help you manage. Did you tell me one time that someone wrote in to tell you that the meditations make them fall asleep or was it the book? (laughs) No, the book, but I have to tell you about the meditation, the free meditation. (laughs) I um, went to um, a lake and I, I, I got a recording of the water because I figure water is very soothing. So he, (laughs) sorry, he laid down to meditate and he started listening to the water before the words and he's, he had to get up and go to the bathroom because the water had influenced him in that way. He said, there's no way he could get through the meditation. He had to do something. That's so funny. I know. Thank God he told me because I need to chuckle every once in a while. And I'm glad. I'm sorry it affected him that way, but I'm glad he had a sense of humor enough to tell me. Well, you have to have a sense of humor in this work too. What I notice is that Things can occur a lot easier when you're happy and joyful and at that way you say high vibration. Yes. Well, you are what you attract. I'm sorry. You attract what you are. That's what I mean. So you always want to be positive and upright and happy to attract the right energies towards you. And that goes with for people too. Negative people can't stand happy people. They're, they're just repelled by it. So, you know, that I mean, you see it in, in, in life. When you do your readings mm-hmm. and there is a tragedy, so they're trying to connect uh, mediumistically with a loved one who's who's passed and it's a tragic situation. So I assume you'll have to stay in a higher vibration because I think if you get sad and feel the grief with the family or the person, that's going to affect your reading. Is that correct? That's where training comes in, Tanya. You learn to stop reading from the heart when uh, it's tragic. And go right to the third eye, which is more how spirit presents themselves as spirit guides. Pardon me. There's very little emotion with spirit guides. So you want to get to that non-emotional place so that you're able to transcend the emotion and get to the message. I'm just trying to think, you know, there's been so many uh, messages, but they have thankfully that it, they don't feel tragic to me because the message comes through. And in the end, the 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 uh, client is feeling either hopeful or better hearing their spirit people are okay and that's what i base it on like initially they'll come, the spirit people will come in and give evidence so if you know it's a car crash and it's a young person and all that and it's you know i have to say these things in order for the person to agree that yes this is the person they want to speak to because i haven't met the spirit person before and then i go to a place of what do you need to say to this loved one? Give me some 
evidence that you've been around. And, you know, that's more of a conversation I'll have with the spirit person. And that gets me out of the emotion and more into evidential voice is the best way I can put it. Does that make sense? No, it does. It does. Yeah, I try to stay out of the heart when it's tragic, because then I get I and I do get sucked in every once in a while, I have to say that and I'm, I'm apologizing, because, you know, I feel the loss, you know, I'm a mom, too. And if it's a, a young person, I try really, really hard to stay in in the, you know, the third eye um, crown chakra, which is higher vibration and in the head, because I don't want them to feel worse by me being affected by the spirit person that's come to speak. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. So does grief prevent us from feeling the connection or even experiencing the signs from our loved ones? It can. Unfortunately, it can. It's like a blanket that envelops us and it's harder for spirit to get through. But I will say this, we must grieve. We are human. Mm -hmm. We must grieve. And I know that people come to see mediums in order to alleviate the grief but the, the most important thing is to find a grief counselor. We can add to that counseling, but we are not the be-all and the end-all. Certainly there will be some relief, but then you need to go back to a counselor to process it. I do have counselors that send their, their clients to me, and then I encourage them to go back to their counselor. Right. Mm-hmm. It's such a touchy area oh and my. a double-edged sword because, like you said, you have to grieve. That that process needs to take place. There's no higher pain than loss of a, a loved one. Mm-hmm. And I'll have to say our our pets are also that too. Tell um, me about that. Oh, my. Well, they have souls too. And um, I was a dog owner once and I loved my my bow. He was a French poodle and he was I was little when I had him. And, of course, you know, he only lived to about age 12. So I know what it's like to lose a pet. And there will be people who sheepishly, and I don't know why, but they sheepishly say, can you also get anything on my my pet? And I said, of course I can. They have souls too. And they'll come in prancing and thank you so much for taking care of me. And this is what happened. I had hip dysplasia and I was so uncomfortable and I know it was hard for you. And you know, they're just talking like they're, they're regular people because what happens is I work with telepathy. So telepathy transcends language. So I can also hear, um, what the animals have to say, whether they're here, I've read for horses here or animals in the spirit world. And they are so excited to be connected with their people here. They're pet people. That's how they see them. And, you know, there are signs from pets as well. They're usually shadows on the ground because they're usually smaller than us. I've seen bird spirit flying around the room. You can hear dogs' toenails on hardwood floors or, or tiles. You can actually sometimes hear them bark or, you know, you uh, you can hear their leashes kind of rattle or whatever. I had a dog talk to me and say how much he loved his red collar with the rhinestones and he had a chained leash with a red handle that he was so proud of. And it, that's exactly what he had. So that's incredible. Yeah. The, the owner was like, oh my God, how do you know this? And I said, well, your dog's talking to me, you know? <laughs> Yeah, they're they're very available. And you know what's really cool? They wait for their pet owners. They really do. And they are probably one of the first to greet on the other side. 
Now that's comforting to know. Oh yeah. You don't lose them. Not at all. Mm -mm. And sometimes what will happen is I will get kind of a, a little message from your spirit pet saying, it's time to get somebody new and I'm going to help you choose them. So yeah, they encourage their pet owners to get new because it gives them such joy. And it's not, it's not in quotes, dissing the pet that's in spirit, not at all. But it's okay to move on and connect with another being. Another pet, yes. Another and pet, yeah. There, there's method in their madness because pets are highly psychic and they can pick up uh, the spirit pets in, in the um, afterlife and actually uh, their behavior kind of makes you wonder what's in the room. Like, why are they down on their haunches kind of barking at nothing? You know, it's like because your your pet from spirits playing with them, you know, so that's also another reason why they just want to let you know they're fine through the pets that are here. Yeah. I, and I mean, I think pets are great validators because, you know, they're honest. They're not going to lie. They're mm -hmm. just reacting to some kind of stimulus in the environment. And they're more psychic than we are because they don't have the social mores of, you know, belief, not belief. It, it just is. So they'll react to what they they experience without questioning it. What about Medium 7 with Donna Smith-Moncrief? Oh, my. She's a fantastic woman. We have now become friends. I never met her prior. And I have to laugh, both uh, Psychics and Mediums in Canada, which is the very first book I was published in, and Medium 7, Evidence of the Predictions in Afterlife, I was the very last person to be interviewed in both books. And uh, Donna... I think she interviewed 18, but not all the mediums wanted to be known. So she needed somebody who is quite willing to put their name to their work. And she and I, uh, well, she met me. I didn't meet her. She was in the audience or the congregation, pardon me, of a spiritualist church. And I read for her aunt, which is, I think it's really interesting because spirit's really clever. They will so that Donna could focus on the message and not it coming to her. Cause some people are like, in, like, Oh my God, it's for me. And, uh, you know, and they're, they're in that mode. It was for somebody else, but someone she knew uh, she could actually see and experience the process in a different way. And she met me through that experience and then wanted to interview me and then put me in the book. So yeah, she's uh, she also had an event in Toronto and two other mediums and myself were invited. And actually you will see those uh, they're black and white. And they're also on the YouTube channel. They're one of the first ones that were put on the channel. So yeah, she's an amazing lady and she's very scientific comes from a science background. That's what really intrigued me about her work because I do want this work to be put through the paces to make it real for so many people. And it seems like science is probably the answer. Science is certainly, you know, stepping up. We still have a ways to go, but there's a lot more evidential, you know, mediumship going on and even the instrumental transcommunication capturing spirit voices through technology. Yes. It, science is definitely making its way. Yes. And I'm very excited about that. And I feel there will be more to come. Yeah. More to come. Yes, mm -hmm. indeed. <laughs> 
one of the last things I wanted to mention was just another one of your popular videos because you've had such a great response with YouTube. That's worth mentioning. The most popular video on your channel is what do spirits do in the afterlife? <laughs> yes. Yeah. And I think that's a burning question. It was for me. Well, I think it's for many people. It's not all harps and angels. It's about first off getting yourself well. So uh, you convalesce over there to get your energy back up. Say if you've had a long and drawn out illness like ALS or cancer, you will convalesce until you're able to speak to a medium. I have, I had one gal who was diabetic from like she juvenile diabetes. And there tends to be not always, but there tends to be this feeling of oh my God, I'm so tired of this. It's my whole life. I just want to live my life. And she did. She smoked, she drank, she did whatever she wanted. She was a party commando and she passed at age, I believe it was 32. And her uh, significant other was devastated. I mean, she was such a spark in his life. And he came to see me and I could bring in all kinds of spirit people, but not this woman. And I said, look, I have a feeling if you come back in about three months, if you want to, she'll be back and she'll be, you know, bigger than life. And sure enough, it she needed those three months to get back to her old self again. There was a lot of evidence. I saw her in my mind flying around the room. She was so excited to be able to be here and communicate. And she was doing great and, you know, all these wonderful things. But yeah, that, that there is that. And then what happens is, they're not with you 24-7, your guardians. They're there if you need them. They're there if you think about them. Uh, but they do have uh, their life to live over there. They, you know, the old saying, you can't take it with you. I don't agree with that anymore because I've heard spirit people say, well, I got my GTO now. I wanted it and that orange never got it too expensive, but I have it now. And they start revving the engine. Uh, so they have the things that they absolutely loved over there. Uh, over here, over there. Um, but they also can do whatever they want. If, if they were musically inclined, they can study music. I've heard angel choirs maybe three times in my life, and I've never heard such perfect harmony. Absolutely exquisite. So there's that. There's also learning. So say, for instance, you're a big history buff, and you really want to know about the origins of the earth. You can look into that. Uh, those kinds of things. So, um, and it's also also about progression and understanding that, you know, the pervasive energy is love. And that's really what's going to help you move forward. There are those who have had a non loving life who are still that way over there. And, you know, the infinite loves us so much that gives us that it gave us free will to be who we want to be. So they tend to be where they need to be. Nobody is forced to do anything that they don't want to do. But then again, if you don't want to be in that energy, you're not forced to do anything you don't want to do. But the, there are all options open on the table. If you want to be with your, your puppies and your iguanas and you know, all that fine. If you want to play cards with your family, fine. You know, whatever, whatever you want to do, you don't have to sleep, you don't have to eat, you want to eat, go ahead, you want to sleep, go ahead, it's up to you. It's free will, free dumb. <laughs> I love it. Mm -hmm. 
I love what it. better place to be than here? This is our classroom and we have a chance to progress and do well here to do well there. It feels like boot camp sometimes. Absolutely. <laughs> Good name for it. Boot camp. Yep. <laughs> Because yeah. you oh know what, goodness. Tanya, what I've come to learn is we don't know what good is unless we know what bad is. We don't know what light is unless we know what dark is. And that's how our planet is set up. It's set up with opposites. Contrast. Contrast, yeah. And that's what we're here to learn. Wow. Well, I learned a lot from you, Carolyn, I have to say. Thank you. Thank you very much. A lot of wisdom and insight, and you're definitely an ethical, evidential medium. Oh, can I just talk about ethics for a moment? Of course you can. Okay. I won't go on about it, but I do have a section on psychic scams in my newest book, and I highly recommend that you look into steps in keeping yourself away from that kind of stuff because it is rampant. And I have heard of, you know, well-to-do people being duped out of a six-figure amount of money uh, by uh, psychic scammers. So a word of caution, they are out there. It's not all love and light. Remember, without the dark, we cannot see light. Always be very, very careful. If they talk about you being cursed, if they want more money than uh, you initially gave, it's time to get up and walk out and say thank you very much. I, I'm, I talk more about it in the book, but I just wanted to kind of give you a little bit about it, just a, a word of caution. That's so good to know because I think that's what puts people off of the work and unfortunately colors the way they see all mediums, feeling that everyone's a charlatan. Yes, and it makes my work and those who are in the light, it makes our work that much harder because it's very difficult if impossible, to convince people that this stuff is real. Because remember, spirit's not interested in convincing you. They're interested in imparting information. And if you're not open to it, the reading will not go well. And that's something that's beyond my control. I'm there to show up, to to give voice to the spirit world. That's it. We can find you at carolynmolner.com. Yes. And sign up for the newsletter. It's only monthly, once a month. Yes. Nothing, nothing more. And that's where you can sign up for psychic development. And do you do that over Zoom? I do now. Yes, uh, I used to do it in person, but I'm finding that that's really helpful. I'm actually able to have people from all over the world. I had somebody from St. Martin. I couldn't believe it. But there you that's go. Great. I have yeah. uh, I have a student from California. I have one from I think it's India. I'm not sure. But it's, it's, it's now worldwide because it's, it's reachable to all. So, and the other thing too, is I really hope that people will go to the YouTube channel because there's a lot of good information that can really help people. And so, um, you know, it might take you a little bit of time, but it's heartfelt information. Well, no, there's a lot of good videos. We had a lot of fun creating them and they're sincere questions from, you know, from myself and then from many, many people who send you emails and people can continue to send you emails. Like you said in the beginning, keep them coming. Yes, absolutely. Because you know what, without the questions, there's nothing to say, you know? Right. Yeah. So please keep those questions coming. Please uh, email me through my website. That's the best way to send them to me. CarolynMolner.com. Yes. 
I can't believe the time has flown. We have just been gabbing away like usual. And of course, time flies when you're having fun. Absolutely. And I just am so thrilled that you are doing this, Tanya, you know, bringing enlightenment to others. And and, uh, I really appreciate that you've included me in this. Thank you so much. Well, it's such a pleasure to have you here and you have a lot to share with the world. So there was no way you were not going to be here with me. Thank you. Thank you, Carolyn. Thanks for listening to Life Continuing. A special thanks to Carolyn Molnar. For more on Carolyn and to purchase her new book, please go to carolynmolnar.com. And head on over to her YouTube channel, where you'll find many answers about the afterlife. The advisor to the show is Amanda Capito. The music for this podcast was composed by Richard Farron. I'm your host, Tanya Berg. For more information and to send comments and questions, please visit lifecontinuing.com. Be sure to join me next time to continue this conversation about life continuing.